Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 511. I got 30,000, 35, 40,000, 45, and now $50,000. Did anybody else did it? 50 at 55, 60,000, now five at 65,000. Did anybody 65? The reserve's off. We're going to sell the car at 65, and 70,000. I got 70, 75, then sold, sold, sold. Mark Green, the buyer, at $70,000. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jump start a dead battery in my car boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost jump starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dan Cruz. Dan, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am. I'm ready to go. All right, here we go. Dan Cruz is the owner of Dan Cruz Classics in San Antonio, Texas. Along with his daughter Tiffany and their team, they conduct four collector car auctions per year. San Antonio, Austin, Midland, and Houston, Texas. In his past, Dan was part of Cruise International that sold several billion dollars in collector cars. That business was sold to ITT, then eBay, and now Auctions America, a division of RM Auctions. And today at Dan Cruise Classics, he and his team have over 200 years of experience making dreams come true for sellers and buyers of collector vehicles. Dan is also president and CEO at Cruise Asset Management, where they work in the oil field business, helping companies buy and sell equipment and vehicles for the oil industry. So, Dan, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you and your incredible past. Could you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Well, it's uh, been a lot of fun to be in the very beginning stages of uh, what I would call an industrial buildup over America's history uh, in collector cars. Uh, Because in the early 70s, there just wasn't that many companies doing collector car auctions. And uh, so when we got started and took it nationally, we were really the very first people who exposed the whole United States, east to west coast, central parts, and everything. Within two, three years, we were holding 10, 15 auctions. Within 10 years, we got up to 40, 45 auctions a year. In some weekends, we would hold an auction in California 
and we would hold an auction in Florida and then one in Chicago all on the same day. Oh, my gosh. Company. But we couldn't have done that if we didn't have a bunch of auctioneers in the family and a big, wide a quality group of people to take care of uh, the customers and we did we had a we had a big company we had lots of quality people and of course every uh company is its people so <clears throat> we're very grateful for uh, all the people to help us get to the point where we did which at one time we were considered uh, the world's largest collector car sales organization we were doing 15 to 20 thousand cars a year wow. and uh, all over the world mostly the united states and uh, we're very successful we were on espn television in the 80s and the early 90s before it was popular to be on tv so a lot of people never really discovered us as much as they did you know some of the newer companies that are on uh, like the meekums the rms and and the auctions america and those groups because television and cable came on later and so they got the cash in a little bit better on that but it's been a great ride it's been a lot of fun i've been all over the world i've met kings queens you know princes all kinds of stuff and heavy hitters you know the owner of domino's pizza tom monahan and tons and tons literally hundreds of top uh, ceos executives you know of all different types of corporations and you know got to learn who they were what they loved in cars and and was able to help them buy a lot of cars over the years and so it's been a great great ride historically with the collector car market and a couple of the highlights was when we did the Hera auction when Bill Hera passed away and they sold the the cars and his casinos and hotels to Holiday Inns of America. They hired us to do the auction for those cars and we did it in a series of two or three auctions. And at the time, that auction, I think, ran into the $25, $30 million area when you put them together. We sold one Bugatti Royale for $6.5 million. And uh, we did it with a Philharmonic Orchestra. The car was covered on stage. And as the curtains went up, the orchestra played and, you know, peaked out. It was kind of an exciting sale. And of course, at 6.5 million back in the mid 80s, that was the world's record right, for many, right. many years. And of course, today, you know, so many cars bring 8 to 10, 15 million. It's almost <laughs> commonplace. And it's really interesting to see the market move. And, and uh, a lot of it moving, I think the high dollar cars have moved a little bit away from the classics, which still bring a lot of money. And Dusenberg brought 10 million or 12, you know, around 10 million, 250,000, I think it was, at a gooding sale in Pebble Beach. But RM has sold many, many Ferraris, vintage Ferraris, racing Ferraris. And I even think uh, there's another company over there in England, and I, and I can't think of, but they hold the world's record now and, uh, for 40 million, you know. And uh, so cars are bringing big money. It just blows me away. You know, you could sell six months and be lucky to get 40 million. You could sell one car and get 40 million. Yeah, the market has just gone crazy. And as, as you know, it does over the years. You've been in this business so long. You see the highs and the lows and everything. And we're on one of those steep inclines now. And Maybe it's a bubble about to burst, who knows, but people are certainly parking some cash into automobile assets, that's for sure, to use a pun. So, uh, yes. well, you've been around, done it all, and that's why I'm so happy to have you on the show here. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of a saying that's been instrumental in forming all the success you've seen over the years, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Dan, take the wheel. Well, that's interesting. A couple of things that, that really have helped me in life. 
you learn from other people and you implement them. One of them is what you respect, you should inspect. In other words, if you give people too much latitude in a certain given area and you never check up on it, it can occasionally slip away from you and not be what it should be. Now, other things, you can always be friendly and professional and thoughtful of always putting the customer first, which is kind of like an American byline for success in business. And a lot of people forget that. You can get egotistical and you can get to the point where you forget where you came from. And of course, we were born and raised on a farm and, and came out of Indiana, northern Indiana, and it, it was hard work growing up. So nobody got spoiled in our family. There were five uh, boys and two girls and we did farm work and, you know, got on the tractors and cultivated and, you know, had a few animals and this and that. So that's a great upbringing. There's no question about it. And today's society, I think one of the most important things is I had all of my kids work when they're five, six, seven years old and all the way up, if nothing else, carrying the clerk sheets, getting involved with putting numbers on cars or doing something constructive even for a young person. Because if you teach your children how to work when they're young and it's fun and exciting for them at that age and they can share their friends, oh, I go to work with my dad and I did this and I saw these cars and they get excited about it. That's how when they work when they're older, they have fun doing what they're doing instead of going to work. Oh my, it's Monday and I got to go to work. You know, no, it's Monday. I'm getting excited. I get to go back to work and I get to call on people I like and great relationships you build and, you know, people that come back to you. It's like a car family, a huge car family of great people. And so I would, I would think always having a good day and sharing it with the person next to you in the marketplace is one of the best things that happen today in the world. And I, I still believe in God and family and, and country. And so we open up our auctions. We introduce everybody. I have somebody sing, uh, you know, the national anthem and it's strikingly powerful. His name's Dr. Mark Jones and he sings on national television and he's sharp and good. And about gives you body chills. And then I'll open with a short prayer, just thanking God for the country, the troops, the freedoms we joy and have uh, all the time and joy. So, you know, all of that, that's, and, and see, I'm small now. I, the sales we do are anywhere from 160, 180 cars up to 225. It's more of a boutique sale. So we, we make it fun. We reach out and build relationships. We take a minute and a half to two minutes on a car where the bigger sales, boy, if you're going to run 3,000 cars, through in a weekend, you're going to run them at 30, 40 seconds a piece of max. And no matter what they're worth, you got to run them through. And so we don't, we don't have that push, you know, that we got to do that. So I feel like people get a fair shake at our sale. We give speeches on cars still, and it's a fun, enjoyable experience. And that's the key. If somebody can have fun selling and have fun buying, they'll come back to you. And that builds our car family. Absolutely. Well, tell me a story about, let's go way back in time here, a, a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you look back at your youth, perhaps, when you really realized that you were a car guy? Well, one of the biggest things is uh, in the beginning, my, my brother's philosophy, my older brother's was we can't buy cars and participate in the car market because we're the auctioneers. And so it becomes a conflict of interest. Well, somewhat true. I think the, the, I think we missed a boat there where we, you know, and I bought a few cars anyway, just cause I love to drive them, you know, and one of my cars that I brought was a 59, uh, XJ. 
S, you know, XJ150S, and that was a, a red car, beautiful burnt red, bright red, you know, black leather interior, black canvas top, chrome wire wheels. That thing could speed. I got three speeding tickets in one month on it. Oh. It was an awesome, fun car to drive. Now, I bought that car uh, for around $10,000 uh, at the beginning of the 80s, and I drove it three or four years, and then I ended up selling it at one of our auctions or something, and it brought like 14000 But about two, three years later, they took a ride up, you know, and if I'd have just held that car two, three more years, I, and you hear that from so many sellers, you know, they were starting to bring a hundred thousand. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I actually had a hundred thousand dollar car, only had 10 grand in it. Why couldn't I keep it? You know, uh, but you know, I'm a collector of sorts. You know, I've had a lot of cars in my lifetime, probably a thousand I bought and sold or owned and enjoyed, but it's like anything else you own that does take you have to give it some care. You know, you got to give it a little bit of love. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about buying another car. I'm 66 and I'm thinking about buying a collector car just so I can go to shows and hang out with the guys, you know, and, and, and be next to them and, and tell our stories we've collected over the years. But, uh, it's shows are fun, you know, and that's where people don't have any pressure and they sit there all day and it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I mean, some people it does, but, you know, most of the people really enjoy it. It's just a good time to hang out with car people to have a good time yeah absolutely well uh it's really cool it's really fun and we've all had those stories later in our talk i'm going to talk a little bit about seller's remorse and maybe it's that jaguar maybe there's another one there but let's for now take a look at some of the roads you've driven down you're in a business that oh my gosh entrepreneurs fraught with ups and downs challenges and failures combined with the economy and the effects that has on the marketplace but could you share with our listeners a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way in your career? But of course, the most important part of this is how did you overcome it and what did it teach you so you could move forward? Yeah, that's a good point. Of course, in the cruise international business, and, the, and it was initially called Cruise Classic Car Auction Company. And in the 70s, it was a building mold and, and it just, you couldn't make any mistakes. Uh, in, the, in the early 70s, if you bought a Duesenberg in January for $20,000, you could probably sell it, you know, uh, in the late fall, six, eight months later, later for 75000 They were moving up about three to 5000 a month. And of course, that even got wilder in the 80s. You know, cars just started really accelerating. Uh, but once that big cycle of building and, you know, we were doing sales in 10, 12, 15 states in three to five years and then 40 states in 10, 15 years, and what you hit is a saturation. Some of it's going through that right now, and I'll explain that. What, what happens is so many cars come out of the woodwork that weren't there, and people restore cars that weren't going to get restored, but now they're worth money, so let's restore them. And so they come out of the literal woodwork. They come out of the barn finds. They come out of the, the garage of people set there forever in estates. They come literally out of the, the yards, you know, the grass yards and, and, and the salvage yards. They come from all over the place. And what happens is when the saturation hits, it's what you call a bubble. You know, it goes up and up and up. For 10, 12, 15 years, there's just a huge ride of cars. And then 
it hit a bubble and then it, they dropped about 25-30%. Well, I'll never forget it because the one year before, like in the early 80s, we did a sale in Kansas City and we did like 84%. The next year when the bubble popped, we did something like 28%. And that showed you what happens when, when things go bad. And of course, the key to any business and any businessman is it, it ain't going to be perfect all the time. So you got to make up your mind. Am I in the business? Do I love this business? And is it fun for me? And if it is, yeah, I'm in the all business too here. And in the all business, like right now, they've laid off 300,000 people in Texas alone. It's hard to imagine how many have been laid off nationally or worldwide. But the issue is there, if they love the oil business, they're going to stay in it. And even if you got to take a lot less because when your when your markets go way down and you sell eighty four percent and you sell it now twenty eight percent average, you know you're not taking in the money. And so if you were making a million a year, now you're making two hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand a year, and you got to make that work somehow. You just get through it. There are tough times. You all take a whole lot less. But if you make up your mind, if I'm in that business, I'm in it. Of course, the business has cycled up and down several more times, but. We're right at the edge, probably, of a bubble. And, and here's the reason why. You know, when, when the Meekums and, and the Auctions America, and, and when we were auctioning, we were, we were probably by far doing 70, 80% of all the collector car auctions in the 80s. Well, today there's a hundred auction companies doing collector car auctions, and there's about 25 or 30 prominent companies doing auctions. And so now you've really got a lot of cars coming on the market. And like Meekum's holding 3,000, 5,000 car sales, which is not uncommon for him. But here's the thing. How many 1957 Chevys can you sell that are in like new condition? Can you sell 100? Can you sell 500? Can you sell 1,000? And we're getting into that area where there's so many cars that have been restored to excellent that all these cars in the beginning would bring a hundred a quarter 130 they're they're struggling to bring 110 or 15 and people have to adjust you know to the market it, it, and it's it could it could drop a lot more it just depends on a lot of different factors number one is what does oil do in the next year or two if oil went crazy it would spark down in texas and and, and oil you know states it'll spark another revival what we call a boom well then about a million people go back to work and money flows down the streets and i'll guarantee you cars will go up in value they will go up in value but if the oil field stays low and that seems to affect our economy you know like when it's in the high 20s and 30s mid 30s it's affected banking it's affected you know everything healthcare, all these things the unemployment is so huge and the dollars are so monster in the oil field and they affect so much more than we have. Almost everything you've got, if you look in your room or my room or you go in the grocery store or Home Depot or whatever, you, everything there is delivered by fuel, some kind of fuel. And so everything cost is built into fuel cost. On the downside, when oil goes way down, the price at the pumps don't come down quite as quickly. <laughs> it has to be down there a long time. You know, and then if it goes up 10 bucks or $15, like it's went from the 30s to the 40s, and then it goes from a buck, you know, 25, 45, right up to $1.80, $2, just like that. And, and those jumps are probably a little bit, you know, profit oriented, you know, right. and people trying to make it work. But, but still, it's an interesting thing. But cars could continue to go up, but, but I would watch that market. 
real careful because it, I really think it's it's tied to the economy. It's tied to the prosperity of a car collectors, which a lot of oil filled people are car collectors. I mean, some of the biggest in the country are oil filled people. So if it's tough, if it stays tough, I think you'll see more decline in cars in general at auctions. But if in a year or two things turn and the oil goes up to $70, $80, which is about the sweet spot. If it goes to 150 you got a massive boom. And it seems like it's boom, bust, feast, or famine. But, but that's not good for everybody. You know, the $70, $80 bracket, that's good for everybody. Oil uh, at that price should be 225 245 for gas. Right in the sweet spot, everybody can make it work. Anyway, it, cars got an interesting future. And they definitely are tied, I believe, to the energy business. I've watched energy and how it's affected cars. Yeah, it's very interesting and, and a bit ironic how gas prices affects the sales of collector cars yes. because obviously there's a tie there. But I would agree. A lot of people say, well, gosh, cheap gas is a great thing, but it affects so many other sides of the business. It'd be as if uh, all of a sudden your business was cut in half in the income you could earn. Well, it might help your customers, but doesn't help you very much and all the people you support. So yeah, it's a very ironic and interesting thing and i guess only the future will tell what's really going to happen let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum your company has been through this massive growth and then you sold off part and you've created another and all these different changes but was there an aha moment in your career at least one you could share with us when i like to say the headlights come on and kind of illuminate your way for a new direction that you decided to go down and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success well, one of them is is when in the uh, I believe it was in the eighties when the, when this downturn took place that I moved and moved from Indiana to Texas and uh, I got here and I always was an auctioneer, fee based auctioneer for other companies and construction and stuff. But somehow I ran into this group called Nelson International and you know went and talked to them and they wanted me to work full time, but I was still doing cars with my brother. So what I did then was become a fee auctioneer for my brother, and, and then I worked full time in the oil patch and moved to Tyler, Texas, and and I lived there three or four years. The Nelson International got a hold of me and wanted me as an auctioneer, and I went and tried out and. They liked me as an auctioneer and as a good fit. Uh, so that was in about 83 or 84. I, I know it was in, it was in 1980, early 80s. So I moved to Tyler, Texas in the early 80s and I lived there three or four or five years. Well, these guys ended up getting in financial trouble, you know, because there's boom and bust in that business too. And so you got to always learn to adjust to these businesses that boom and bust. You have to pay off debt, stay debt free, have some money in the bank to make it through the low side. But the booms are so high and you make so much money in the boom period. The key is, is don't increase your living standard. Be happy where you are. Buy a toy maybe or two, but don't go out and buy another house, a big ranch and spend all your money. And then especially don't go borrow anything and then keep some money saved up for the bus periods. Those are the guys that make it through those. And they've learned enough how to do that. You know, the car side of it, 
you know, I continued to auction cars when I got in the oil field side of it, you know, uh, and I lived in Tyler there for three or four years. And then they got in financial trouble. The two top guys there, Gary Bergman, Craig Cannon, and myself got together. I was the auctioneer and Gary was a salesman and he was a good management team guy. And uh, he did a lot of the setup work. And then Craig Cannon was the super duper salesman who could close, you know, anybody uh, on drilling equipment and the Eskimos included. So anyway, he was really good at that. So the three of us formed a company called Superior Auctioneers of Marketing moved to San Antonio, Texas. And that's how we got started in the energy auction business. So during that, those times of adjustment, you know, getting out of the car side from crews, except flying in auctioneering and flying out, I was not an owner that during that time period after that. Uh, in the late 70s, I got out as an owner. So came down here and I always loved that business. So I started a business uh, trying to hold some collector car sales down here, which is a little difficult. And then a guy out of New Braunfels called Ron Brooks had been doing an auction for 10 or 15 years, small one, kind of a boutique sale, 50, 70 cars. And he asked me if I'd come an auctioneer. And I thought, well, you know, don't get big headed. I said, yeah, I'd like to come and see it, you know, and see what you're doing. So I sold for him. And I said, you know, Ron, I said, how much do you spend on advertising on this sale? And he said, $1,500. I said, oh my word. I said, I think you might get 100, 200 cars if you'd spend seven, ten thousand, you know. Oh, I could never do that. I'm too conservative. You know, there's a very conservative area here. And I said, okay. But I said, I think you got room to grow here. So he thought about that, called me back and sold out to me. So I bought him, you know, can't like thirty five thousand in a special deal where he could put cars in and stuff. So that's how I kind of picked up a company that been in business since nineteen seventy two or nineteen seventy one, about the same time that we got started in Indiana. So I, I owned that business and ran that business and a guy named Bruce Knox helped me build it. My daughter Tiffany and Tedra and Tara, my daughters, helped me. My wife was helping at that time. So I was learning the the oil field business and doing these car auctions on the weekends and really the two businesses fit. I, I didn't discover it until three or four years to where a lot of the car people and their old people were the same. And I thought, this is amazing how these two businesses fit together. But that was life-changing. So when I got down here and got back in the auction business as an owner of my family, that's a significant change for me. And my family loved it, so I stayed in it and continued it. And we stayed in the oil business too. And we've done well in both of those businesses. Very cool. Wonderful story. I love it. Let's talk a little bit about a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many. You've affected so many people's lives in so many ways. But is there one in particular that stands out you'd like to share? Well, there's two avenues there. One of them is I am a strong Christian man and believe in America and God and all those virtues that I was raised with. And so I'm very strong in that. And there's been probably a half a dozen to a dozen times over the 20, 30 years I've been in this business that I've had chances to minister, to save people's lives, to help people sell some assets off, you know, put their businesses back in proper perspective. You know, sometimes even I've had a couple close friends that I was able to counsel with and bring them back to the values of, of, of the love relationship they have when they first get married. The reason things get kind of pulled away is either your life or your job or the activities you're doing or whatever. But it, I got their thinking back to the roots of when they got married. And most people, if you can get their thinking back to where it belongs, can make restoration and have some forgiveness and grace and mercy for each other, heal up their marriages. So that that's a rich thing for me, a very rich. One, one of the things in careers 
is a few years ago, I was one of 50 auctioneers mentioned in Auction World magazine, which is now owned by the National Auctioneers Association. I was one of 50 auctioneers as mentioned as one of the most 50 influential auctioneers in the world. So that was a big deal that I was mentioned separately in there away from my brother, you know, for all field business. And, and then so that the fact that I'd gotten to a point where I was in a second business and was recognized by my peers as one of the 50 most influential auctioneers in the world. And it came through through uh, energy. That was a huge kind of neat thing to have happen to you in your life and to get that award. And I was on the front page of a lot of different magazines. That magazine, you know, mentioned me, but several local magazines put me on the front page. I've been on the front page of probably 20 or 50 magazines and in newspapers, including USA Today at one point. You know, when, when eBay bought my brother, then he came in and bought my company. And so my brother and I were put back together for a few years. And then when eBay got back out of it, my brother bought his piece and I got my piece back. And and that's, you know, there's a period of about four or five years of eBay. And that was an interesting thing. That was that was a cool ride to see corporate America and, and how eBay works and functions and what a great company and what a great story uh, of selling things you know selling these little Pez candy things and the next thing you know you built one of the biggest infrastructures for online auctions in the world I mean what a story for America that that is a huge deal and I don't think you can see it but right behind me in this cabinet I have a big eBay sign because. We used to go to all the eBay stuff and, and, and participate, and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. They're just great people. I can't say enough about eBay and the founders and, and those people. They're very giving, you know, very thoughtful. They're not economic junkies. They're very thoughtful. Uh, most of them given more than 50% of their money away to charities and helping others. So anyway, that, that was a good, interesting thing to be part of something so big, you know, like eBay worth, you know, working for a multi-billion dollar company. And it was good. It was very interesting to learn how, how big business works too. Oh yeah. Well, congratulations. You know, wonderful that you give back to people by helping them through ministering to them or helping them or coaching them or mentoring them and then helping them get rid of assets that they need to kind of realign their finances. And a really interesting story with eBay too. I've, I've used eBay to sell all sorts of crazy things. I mean, I'm just shocked when you put something on eBay. I've helped a lot of friends sell things on eBay that they don't know how it works. And I've, you know, walked them through the process or actually helped them sell things. It's really a tremendous way to connect the world. I Gosh, I think I've sold things to every continent in the world. Isn't that amazing? You know, somebody from Bangladesh wants to buy an old pair of uh, Paloti shoes that I've had. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Well, you talked a little bit about that uh, red car, the Jaguar, that you yep. had. But uh, let's go way back again and have a little fun. And share with me your first and I'll, I'll emphasize the word first, really special car. And tell us a memory you have of that vehicle. car that I did buy and keep, and, and I was from Auburn, Indiana, was a 1932 Auburn four-door convertible sedan V12. It was red, tan leather, tan canvas top, chrome wire wheels, came out of the Black Hawk collection, was in the Jerry J. Moore collection out of Houston. It was and I had it for seven or eight years. I put it in the Auburn Museum with my name on it. And uh, then I, I wanted to build a house for my wife, you know, about 10 years ago or so. So I sold the car and I sold it to Rich Atwell, who lives here in Texas and has about a 300 car collection. And his dad was in collector cars and he grew up in it. So Rich is very knowledgeable about cars and he was nice enough to buy it. 
that was probably the pride and joy that I even had an oil, oil uh, painting done of it that hangs in my office. So I liked it pretty, pretty good. Absolutely. You know, I had uh, Aaron Workington, who's the curator at the Auburn Accord Duesenberg Automobile Museum there, of course, in Indiana. You maybe have been there. I'm sure you've probably been oh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And seen those cars. Yeah. He was a great guest to have. They've done tremendous work over many years there. And it just keeps evolving into better and better things, not only cars, but the educational side of how cars were built and who built them and, and where they are today. They've done a beautiful educational job there at the Auburn Museum, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. Now, you've sold thousands and thousands and thousands of cars, but what I want you to do is talk about a car that was a keeper car that you've let go, that you wish you still had in your garage. And let's put price aside. Let's just talk about emotion here because it's easy to say, oh, I shouldn't have sold that Ferrari or that Duesenberg or that special car that's now worth you know tens or tens of millions of dollars. But is there one car that you can look back on and go, man, I wish I had that back in my garage? Well, I bought when I was in high school, I bought a 58 Chevy uh, Impala. And it was a two-door V8, and it was a cool car. It had that rose color to it with a two-tone. And that car I kept for several years. And then the older I got, I thought, boy, I'd like to have one of those back. You know, that's works down memory lane. So over the years, I've bought about four or five of those. And I think I'm going to drive them. You know, they, I drive them for a little while, for two, three weeks. And then they sat in my driveway. And then the neighbor complains that you got an old car sitting in your driveway. But they're nice looking, you know. Yep. So I sell it off. And then I move. And then if the neighbor don't mind, I get another one. To, you know, but I've had about four or five of those. And I, I I'm kind of... You know, I love the purest form of cars, you know, where you, where you get the ride and drive just like they did in 1958. But lately, I've been out in some of these custom cars where you get a 58 Chevy and you get inside of it. And my gosh, you know, and you drive it. My gosh, what have they done to this car? You know, and I realized they spent about 150 grand and they modified it, you know, so it's called a custom car. And I think I might give a shot on those. <laughs> I just, you know, for the sake of driving it and having good air conditioning and great brakes and, you know, they're just, uh, you know, or either that or buy you a bio purest one and take it to car shows, one or the other. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, debating in my mind which way to go on that. But it, it's fun to think about it. Well, I think if you're going to have a next door neighbor named Cruz, you better darn well expect an old car to be in the driveway. <laughs> Come on, get real here, right? <laughs> not everybody knows this. It's, you know, there's a big group that does car people do, but if they're not car oriented, a lot of people don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They'll have to be a, a real estate disclaimer for anyone selling houses around your house for sure. <laughs> Let's talk about this new year and what your business has looking ahead. What are you doing right now for 2016 that really has you excited and fired up? Well, you know, it's it's an exciting day. It age everything everything that exists uh, has a purpose. You know, like on the car side of it, uh, we're just going to have to tighten our belt and try to make it through a little bit of a decline. Now, the thing is, our our entry fees and our commission rates are the lowest in the nation because we're, we're more of a boutique, you know, Texas-based group. So people can come here and sell a car for half, you know, and entry fees are half what they are in a big car sale. And, and that 
helps people. I, I'm hoping our sales might grow a little bit during this time that people see the advantage of coming to our sales during this little bit of time. That, that it's off, but it's not greatly off, but it's still the market's off just a little bit and it's still tightening up. Now the oil patch, it lends itself just the opposite, whereas things are so dirt cheap. They're just like a $10 million rig's worth 700000 I mean, it's cheap. So on that side of it, you want to try to find some investors maybe and buy some equipment, you know, just hold on to it and wait until the next boom comes and then you pull it out of the building of the weeds and sell it for a ton of money and make some money. Those are the kind of the exciting part of things that go on. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Dan. It's kind of a funny question. But if Dan was a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> That's a terrible trick question. Huh? <laughs> At first glance, you, oh, yeah, let me think about that. Well, oh, it would be great to be a Ferrari or great to be a Maserati or a Lamborghini and be this hot thing, you know, and all that. But when you think through it, you know, and you want to settle down your mind a little bit, you know, what is a great car to own and to have and, and what's a great car for you to be, you know, and I probably would go to uh, maybe something like uh, what I drive every day is a Navigator. I, I, I drive a Lincoln Navigator. I love the thing. It's big. It's safe. You know, you feel good about it on the highway. You can get 18, 20 miles a gallon. I don't know on the car because that's a SUV. You know, uh, uh, the midstream quality, maybe the new Impala, the Chevy Impalas. I, I've been impressed with what Ford and Chevy and, and all these and, 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 you know, Chrysler can't believe in the last 10, 15 years, the quality of almost every car that's running on the highway. Yeah. Uh, they've just upgraded them all. Well, I think your, I think your answer is a good one is something that's safe and big and, you know, yeah. you're a big, bold guy. You've been out there doing things. And uh, so I think you answered that question well. Yeah, the navigator probably. That's, that's what I'm writing in, so that must be what I think. I don't know. There you go. Well, Dan, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. The pedal to the metal, you get there before you leave. It's the <laughs> experience of a lifetime. If it had wings, you'd be flying. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me 
with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Dan, we are entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I would say look a car over before you bid on it. <laughs> yes, definitely. Very important. Don't get caught up in that emotion. Keep the bidders paddled down unless you've looked at the vehicle. Better yet, talk to the owner. Would yeah. you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Personal habits uh, are always tell the truth. And there's so much in the car business, you know, the car salesman, you quote, quote, it's like Trump said, New York values. And, you know, well, car salesmen have their values too. But New York's a great group of people there but there's always that overtone you know people who take a little bit of advantage and i think car salesmen have that overtone in general but if you tell the truth in this car business it's so attractive to people who are legitimately normal quality people that want to be told the truth like something isn't just quite right about a car you tell them and then they have more confidence when they bid on it because they know what they're getting and if i gotta fix something at least i know it the worst thing to create that buyer's remorse you talked about earlier in the show is a guy buys a car he thinks it's excellent he takes it home and finds out you know there's hidden things that he could not see and he did not examine at that auction because it's such a fast process and even if you go pick up a car from a guy he could hide some stuff from you but i believe honesty is the freshest best thing that exists in this business today and every aspect of life, honesty is always the best policy, most definitely. Now, how about a resource? There's tons out there these days with the Internet, but is there one in particular that you really enjoy? Uh, well, I get uh, Jeff and Megan's blog, you know, that did Car Chasers, and they have a blog now, and they're very knowledgeable. Jeff grew up in the business, and, and I used to, my my uh, myself and his dad are about the same age, you know, and so I saw him come to sales when they were young. Uh, very intelligent, very good about cars, and give a lot of good information out. Uh, Phil Skinner, who's the editor of the Kelly Blue Book, very knowledgeable, like a walking encyclopedia of the cars. Uh, I, I would recommend Phil to anybody for, for good knowledge and understanding of the automobile industry. And cars, I mean, you can throw a car out to Phil, and he he can tell you the history behind it. When I say he's a walking encyclopedia of cars, he really is. Uh, so things like that, uh, you know, there's there are car books. I don't know that there's any one car book over another, but like if you do love the Chevys, I'm, there's books on Chevys or Fords or in any of that kind of stuff. Or if you like the general history, there's a, a book on the history of the first hundred years of cars, you know, uh, and that's all tremendous information and history to read and enjoy. You know, you jumped ahead to my next question. That was a book. Is I know there's tons of them out there, but is there one in particular maybe you've read recently that you'd like to share? Well, Mitchell, do you know Mitchell Cruz? That's my other nephew I have, uh, John Cruz. Mitchell wrote a book called Restoration Road. It's a collector car book that explains the similarities of restoration of cars and restoring your life 
back to where God wants you to be. And it's it's a cool book. It's really good. Nice tie in. I like that. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find all these great resources that Dan's so kind to share at his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Dan Cruz. And this book will be listed along with the past 500 plus guests that have been here on Cars Yeah with quick, easy links to buy at a special place on the website called Guest Recommended Books at carsyad.com. All right, Dan, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. We've talked about doozies a little bit in our conversation today. Yeah. If you could have only one, I'm sorry, but just one collector car in your garage. But don't worry about the price. I'm going to raise my bidding paddle for you and buy whatever car you'd like. What would that vehicle be? And more importantly, why would you choose it? Well, since I am, there's a lot of reasons, but I would say a P4 Ferrari. The reason I'd say a P4 Ferrari is lately, in the last 15, 20 years, the cars that are breaking the world's records are vintage racing Ferraris. And there's very few P4s. I would want the finest original I could get. And uh, the reason I think it'll continue to go up in price is there are only like 10 of them in the world, you know, and has extreme low production, extreme high output. And it's an exciting car that if you had the guts and you wanted to, you could put this $40, $50 billion car on the road and drive it a little bit. And you could even race it a little bit if you were just like worth a billion or something. But (laughs) I could... You know, only have one car to keep. Money didn't have any bearing on it. That's probably one car I'd say would be a good automobile from every aspect. Good to enjoy, good to race, good to have, good to talk about, and appreciate in value and all the aspects that somebody has to think about when you do invest. Oh, my, you've costed me a pretty penny today, haven't you? (laughs) That one's going to be a big one, but uh, beautiful car. They are absolutely spectacular. Yeah, definitely a dream car for so many people and those few that have been fortunate to have the assets to own one and drive one and the bless those folks that take them out on the track so we can watch them go around really fast that's a lot of fun even better that's fun i love it well dan you've taken me on an awesome ride today and i knew you would and i've really enjoyed talking with you and i want to thank you for sharing your journey with the cars yeah listeners could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that ferrari p4 Well, let's bring everybody back to earth and take a look at this 1956 beautiful, unbelievable restored Thunderbird with a continental kit on the back and it's got the little fender skirts and the porthole top. It's just a beautiful, cute little car. We ought to have 100,000 to start the bidding, but I've got a Mark Green 25,000, now 30, sir. I got 30,000, 35, 40,000, 45, and now 50,000 dollars. At 55, 60,000, now 5. At 65,000, now 55,000, the reserve's off. We're going to sell the car. At 65, I'm at 70,000. I got 70, 75, and so Sold, sold, sold. Mark Green, the buyer, had $70,000. All right. I was hoping you were going to do that. Wow. I'm all excited, but now i got to write a check, don't I? So. <laughs> well, I'm glad we weren't uh, auctioning off that P4 because that one would hurt. I could handle. 30 million, 35 million. Yeah, I could handle the 74 grand. I don't know about the 74 million. So. <laughs> very, very cool. I appreciate you doing that. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing these days? Well, you can go to Dan Cruz, dancruzclassics.com for the cars. And that's what most people are going to be interested in. But if you want to buy a drilling rig for 10 cents of the dollar, you can go to Cruise Asset, cruiseasset.com, cruiseasset.com. And, and you can look at oil field equipment too. But 
cars are so much fun. I would tell everybody and anybody, if, if you're driving the new stuff, you always want to drive something old in the 50s and 60s and realize, if nothing else, it'll help you realize what cars were like when they were simple and that it helps you realize what cars have evolved to and so you can even appreciate your car better. Absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Dan has shared today on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Dan in the search bar and that page will pop up with links to his companies. I encourage you to go and check out these websites. If you're going to drill for some oil in your backyard, he can sell you a rig for 10 cents on the dollar these days. But if you want a cool car to put in the garage, he can help you find that as well. One thing I forgot to tell you was I also auctioned for Julian's auctions out in Beverly Hills, California. Darren Julian is my nephew. I've sold some cool things there. I sold uh, about two or th- well, about four or five years ago. I sold Michael Jackson's red leather jacket used in Thriller video, music video, for $1.8 million, which is the world's record for a jacket. And then recently, this last fall, we did an auction for uh, a Ringo Starr and all his Beatle collection stuff. And we sold his original drum kit, the first drum set he used as a Beatle for $2.2 million, which is a world's record. Wow. And a John Lennon guitar for $2.45 million, which is another world's record. So I've had a lot of fun doing that, too. Well, we'll make sure that uh, Julian's site is also listed on that show notes page. Wow, fantastic. Well, it's just another tribute to, uh, you know, people are putting their assets into different things these days because, of course, the way the banking industry is and interest rates, they need to put their money somewhere. I always say capital goes where capital grows. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, again, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise, Dan, and for sharing your experiences with the listeners and with me. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. God bless you, Mark Green. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!